Welcome to Protecting Your Assets, the show about protecting people, property, and most importantly, protecting your ass. I'm your host, Lucky Luciano, and I'd like you to join me for a fast-paced and often fiery discussion about security issues with my co-host, Brian the Angry Man Claimant. Whether we're piercing the veil of security, talking your duty of care, or raving about the latest technology, we'll share our thoughts on the issues, the trends that are impacting security today and into the future. So grab a coffee and join us for our latest podcast. And don't forget to like and follow us on our sponsor's website, briancleman.com. And now let's talk about protecting your assets. Welcome to Protecting Your Assets. I'm your host, Lucky Luciano Cedroni, and Brian the Angry Man Clayman is on the other side. Uh, as always, we're going to be talking in episode 39 about some technology and the proper way to deploy it or, uh, you know, making sure you deploy it in its best or most effective way. But before that, as usual, we're going to talk about what's keeping us up at night. And there's been no shortage of material over the last few weeks, um, as, uh, as I'm sure we're going to get into. So with that, Brian... Turn it over to you. What's been keeping you up at night? I know we've been away for a couple of weeks, but hey, life gets busy, so it is what it is. We're back, and uh, I'm excited to talk. Yeah, it's. Gl- I'm glad that your wife uh, bailed you out. It's nice to have <laughs> you back uh, in the saddle again. Uh, you know, what's uh, keeping me up at night is a little bit sober. It's the mess in Ukraine. It's just the images that you see on TV are tragic. Uh, uh, it, it's also, for me, very disconcerting that I thought, you know, you would have thought the world would have learned anything. Uh, and if you would have said in the 21st century there would be wars, just like the wars in the 20th century, uh, the old-fashioned battlefields in uh, uh, Europe, Western Europe, you know, I, I I wouldn't have believed you. The thing that really upsets me is that everyone is front and center now. Like uh, our prime minister, for example, I almost think that this is sort of a blessing to him because it took him out of the spotlight of the freedom convoy and all that stuff and allowed him now to pretend to be a statesman and it's just frustrating well, he's an actor so he can only pretend well that that's right he's an actor the thing <laughs> is Zelensky, president Zelensky's an actor but he actually produced yeah, you're right <laughs> he actually right. he actually is a man of integrity now listen you know, our prime minister, I, I'm glad that he's taken a stand, but you would think Canada is leading the charge. And I did a little bit of research today on uh, the percentage spent on military uh, versus gross GDP. national product. Yep. And the Canadian military, because I read something recently that our prime minister was pledging all sorts of lethal assistance to Ukraine, such as ammunition, missile systems, and they couldn't deliver. And they had these retired generals saying the reason they couldn't deliver or not because they didn't want to, because we didn't have enough. Yeah. We didn't have enough because we don't support our armed forces. And, you know, when you don't need it, it doesn't really matter. But you never know when you're going to need it. And now we're not positioned to do it. So some of the numbers I saw that was interesting. Australia spends 2.1% uh, of their uh, GDP on military. The United Kingdom spends 2.2%. The United States, no surprise, uh, largest in the world, not largest actually in the world, surprisingly, some of the Middle Eastern countries are, 3.7 of GDP, but their GDP is so great that 3.7 is a lot. NATO is asked that to to be a member of NATO, you got to send 2% uh, 2 of GDP. Canada, as of 2020, spends 1.4%. So we spend a pitiful uh, amount on defense, there we are trying to show the world what a great middle power we are. 
and we can't even deliver on the promises that we make. And one more stat I found interesting, the average, when you take all the countries in the world of GDP, it's 2.4 is the average. That's from Botswana to Iran to yeah. Russia to China, and we're at 1.4. So, you know, now I heard in the news just recently, the government said, uh, our minister of, uh, it's not external affairs, whatever we call uh, Melanie Jolie, that we're going to increase what we're spending uh, on military. I think that's good. I think that's long overdue. And just to end, what keeps me up at night is that the consequences of the inactions or the ineptitude of leaders are causing real suffering in Ukraine. And it shouldn't have happened. Yeah, we haven't learned anything. And, you know, if history teaches us anything is that we are condemned to repeat it. You know, everyone knows the yeah. saying. And it's the reality. I was listening to a general on the uh, talk show as I was driving around today talking about how it took... You know, it took us basically the, the first half of the last century to figure out that you got to stand up for your freedoms and for fight to fight for for others and, and things like that. And then it took us the, the the latter half of that century to basically forget all the effort that went into preparing our, our, our young soldiers to to go off and fight those wars. And and we just let us our armed forces decay to, to the point where it's become a joke. And I really feel for the members who are in there because they you know, they legitimately want to make a difference. I yeah. think they go out there and they want to help other countries. They want to make a sta statement. They want to represent Canada. But when Canada's giving you a pop gun instead of a proper gun, it's hard to do that. Um, and, and, you know, just to finish off on, on my comments, what's keeping me up at night, because I agree. I mean, if, if Ukraine isn't keeping you up at night, I don't know what, what type of person you are because there's innocent people losing their lives over there. Uh, basically for a bunch of clowns who are, you know, it's ego and money and all that terrible stuff that we all talk about. But one of the the, the common trends uh, or themes that I heard on the radio today when they were talking about this, because the question was basically, if, you know, the government wants to spend more on our military, um, would you be prepared to pay more taxes, right? The typical Canadian approach, right? It all comes down to taxes. And the amount of ignorant people calling in to say that, the, we have no real uh, threats against Canada. Yeah, you're right. There's nobody on our doorstep that's going to come in and invade us. But it just shows you how naive the Canadian psyche is to think that that's all your military stands for. And only a couple guys managed to get on the air and actually talk some sense. You know, who's going to protect that Northwest Passage, which is going to become more and more critical as that ice drifts away. More and more countries are going to want to use that. And we've got no capacity to go in there and enforce it. It's our freaking passage. And we can't even get out there. That's a military role. And the right? definition of sovereignty is having the ability to enforce the territoriality exactly. and integrity of the country. Exactly. And, and, while we've, and while we've been sleeping, and you talk about keeping you up at night, while we've been sleeping at the wheel, because that's what we're doing, we're too busy tapping ourselves on our back as our prime minister is so great at doing how awesome we are, um, the Chinese, and I don't know if you've heard yeah. this, uh, Brian, but the Chinese have built, you know, there's, there's this uh, accepted... And I, I don't know if it's the Geneva Convention or whatever, but it's certainly international law that countries have 200 miles out from their coastline. Yeah. That's your uh, that's your property. That's your 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 yeah. ocean sovereignty. Of the ocean. So what the Chinese have done is they've built artificial <laughs> islands yeah. at that 200 mile, and so by definition they're extending their yeah. boundaries by 200. Now, of course, the the world and the Americans are are going to dispute that. But while we've been focused on the Ukraine and talking about how great Canada is. They've built those islands and they've fortified those islands. 
So you think we're just going to walk in there and tell them that they don't have any rights on those, on those claims? It's going to be a shit show going forward. And that you really keeps me up. I really think it comes down to uh, 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 it's a generational thing. And what I mean by that is that our education is, system is so poor. Kids do not learn anything in school. My own kids, when I talk to them about the October crisis, when the FOQ uh, uh, were very active in Quebec, and Pierre Trudeau, Mr. Trudeau Sr., invoked the War Measures Act. I mean, that was dramatic. It was an actual, you know, apprehended insurrection. At the time, because I lived through that, it yep. was real and it was scary. You could look at it today and see that the FOQ really didn't have the ability to operationalize the plans, and it was an overreach of government. You can say that looking at it from today's eyes, but it wasn't. There was real concern of an apprehended insurrection occurring at the time. So my own kids, I talk about the FLQ crisis. I talk about World War II, about Nazism. They don't learn that in school. No, I don't know don't. what they learn in school. And what happens is you talk about history repeating itself. You've got to keep the stories alive. If you look, for example, at the Civil War, after the Civil War, brother fighting brother, North and South will never do it again. And then comes Donald Trump. And it's not North and South, but it's Republican Democrat. Yep. And we have SARS and we're never gonna uh, be caught unprepared again. And in like less than a generation, we're caught unprepared again. We had World War II and we said, okay, Canada will never be a soft power again. We'll always be able to protect ourselves. We can't do that. We had the Holocaust, we said never again. And then we had Rwanda and then we had Bosnia Herzegovina. And now we have what's happening in Russia. This is no surprise to an old guy like me and a middle-aged old guy like you that maybe <laughs> is more worldly or have lived through some of these things. But I don't know, his, the, the stories are not being told. And just no. take it back one more thing. If you look back in biblical times, okay, the whole point of the Bible and the whole point of the scriptures was just to pass down from generation to generation the story so it wouldn't die. We somehow lost that ability to pass down the story so we can replicate the good stuff and avoid the bad stuff. Well, I'll take it even one step further. Not only have they lost the ability to tell the story as it was, they've changed that story to suit the new narrative. And that to me is even scarier. I think I've told you, and I talked about it maybe on a previous episode, I've watched my kids, they showed it to me because I couldn't believe it. They said, check this out, Dad. So I, I went and I watched this game. And I can't remember, it's a war game. I can't remember the title of it. But it had black soldiers fighting for the Nazis. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, yeah, you want to be a black soldier fighting for the Nazis? Fine. I mean, it's a game. At the end of the day, it's a game. But when your perspective on history is being tainted by that, because that's all they know, how can you think, knowing what the Nazis did and what they believed, how can you even allow a black soldier to fight for the Nazis? I don't get it. It's like getting a Jewish guy to lead the, the Nazi invasion of, of uh, Czechoslovakia. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous, or it's like uh, uh, Mr. Putin calling President Zelensky running a Nazi state. Yeah, I mean, the exactly. man is this, it comes from survivors of the Holocaust. This fake narrative, this fake news is really scary. I'm just amazed that Russian propaganda is able to make many people in the uh, Russia, the Russian Federation, believe it's a righteous war. The head of the uh, Russian Orthodox Church came out the other day saying that this was a holy war, that he supports yeah. the president entirely, based on the dribble that is the official dribble that's coming out of Moscow. And I would have thought with social media, the 21st century, we can counteract that. 
but seemingly we can. Moscow, uh, Russia is becoming like a hermit state. I don't know how they do it, but they shut, they put blinders on yeah. people yeah. and they just don't listen. And even the soldiers that are calling home or come back wounded, they're not being listened to. Yeah. Uh, it's That keeps me up at night. I'm worried about the future. Yeah, it's a TikTok generation. It's a two-second clip, and that's everything. You don't dig behind it. You don't check if it's true. It's complete, completely outlandish, and you accept it at face value. I, I don't know. You know, and it goes back to the education system. They don't train. They don't teach anymore. Um, what's the word for it? Like investigative. Yeah, and, you know, this is the word, and that's it. Like, yeah, there's don't no question. Listen, you know, I appreciate the freedoms I enjoy, okay? I didn't have to put it on the line. I haven't fought in a war, okay? But I appreciate the life that I have. It's an accident of birth that I was born in Canada, yeah. not some other country. But I value that. I appreciate it. What concerns me is that generations after mine, because they've never known adversity, and their parents haven't known adversity, yeah that they think that what we have, we will always have, and we won't. If we don't protect it, it may not be here. I, I just, uh, you know, I'm going to end it off with one more thing, I, because you just, you triggered my memory, because I was thinking about it the other day. I got a, an app, I'm sure, you know, we've all got news apps. I use a Flipboard in the morning, I go through there, and you got your news feed. And it just, the other day, just I'm flipping through, and I'm just, I realized how absurd it was to be looking at one page, and you're talking about, the Ukrainians, you know, hypersonic missiles, nuclear war, all these things. And then I flip it and you're talking about Kanye West and, you know, he can't appear at the Oscars and this person's wearing a fantastic dress and, oh my God, it's so, you know, controversial. I'm like, something's really fucked up. Like, it really is. We have lost perspective in the West. We really Well, are. you know, uh, Entertainment Tonight and the Canada, ET Canada and all that type of stuff, okay? Yeah. What amazes me is I'll sit through the six o'clock news about doom and gloom and Ukraine being pummeled. And then E.T. Tonight comes on, my wife loves it, and there they're smiling about Kanye. Yeah. Like, what a yin-yang moment, okay? Yeah, and if it was value, okay, they're a bunch of freaking clowns. You talk about privilege, yeah, they, they got lucky, they worked hard, whatever you want to call it, but at the end of the day, you're just a goddamn actor, right? You're just a freaking musician. You're just an athlete. You're not doing anything to help society beyond your role as an athlete or whatever you're yeah. doing. You know, when things are going on to the to the magnitude of what's happening in Ukraine, and then you turn the page and you're talking oh, about you know, cupcakes in Canada, like, come on, man. You know, they're not like a doctor. They're not like a soldier. They're not like a, a, a nurse. They're not like a security director. We bring value. Yeah. Not yeah. Kanye West. <laughs> Well, Thank God Schwarzenegger gave him the fi a, a firm finger wagging to tell oh, him off in the Ukraine. I love that, yeah. <laughs> I tell you, he's interesting. He's quiet when he's not quiet. He's profound. Yeah. Not, not, not bad for a guy with a, a bodybuilder muscle type guy. Yeah, he's done he's well, pretty, man. He's quite a deep thinker and he talks really well. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, now that we've eaten up half of our time slot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay because we, we didn't have much to talk about today anyway. So are we finished yet? <laughs> hey, I'm happy to just continue with the topic. It's just, uh, you know, it's just a lot to talk about up there. And uh, Well, you know, I, yeah, maybe we should go to our topic because uh, I don't want to be known as Tucker Carlson of the North. Oh. God forbid. <laughs> don't blame, don't, don't get on Tucker's case. Okay, uh, I'm going to say, I saw this incredible uh, uh, video clip. I picked it up on tw Twitter showing President Bush and... Uh, President Clinton going to, I think it's Chicago, a Ukrainian church, and laying a wreath and showing uh, 
uh, uh, solidarity with the Ukrainian people. But there was no President Trump there. Yeah. And I, 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 I put that up on my uh, Twitter feed, and I said, it, 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 usually you would see the, pre the former presidents united, but there's no Trump there. And someone commented that he thought he was busy with Tucker Carlson at a uh, conference at uh, Pravda in Moscow. <laughs> like, just incredible. <laughs> and Trump, you know, said the other day that if he was president, there'd be none of this because he would use the nukes. What a deep Isn't thinker it? that man is. Like, that's just stupidity. And, 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 you know, I don't even think Putin's not that crazy. I don't believe that. I, if he's that crazy, I think I'd like to hope that there's a general sitting next to him that's going to say, you know, that that's crossing the line. I'm going to have to pop you one in the head. Um, I just don't see that kind of craziness. Yeah. I agree with you. I got to tell you, it did work brilliantly. The minute he says that, then you got the president of the U.S. saying that American troops won't engage. So he really wanted to say, give me space. Yeah. I hope that was his uh, motivation. And it worked. It's the, the, the chemical thing is scary. And NATO's response, like at some point, the you know, like President Zelensky says, you know, you got to help us only for, if only for the reason you're helping yourself. Because once, once they're finished with us, they're coming for you. So fight the war on Ukrainian soil. Yeah. Interesting. And again, the man is uh, the man is my hero and a lot of people's heroes. Yeah. We learn from him. Walks the walk, man. And, and every night he makes a point of going out into the streets and filming himself to let his people know, yeah, I'm not hiding in the goddamn closet like our prime minister did when the convoys showed oh, up. Yeah, but that, he's all on the front lines, man. There's real danger there. They were going to drown him in the hot tub. Yeah, exactly. That guy's in the street every night filming to show his people he's there with them. He hasn't hightailed it out of town. 100% respect on that guy. Hopefully he goes down as one of the greatest leaders in, in this century anyway. Yeah, I, I hear you. I echo that. Um, okay, let's so let's, let's get quick. Sorry. Let's let's do our job. Yeah, let's get into the next, uh, well, get into our topic today, episode 39. We're going to touch on technology again. We have talked about it in the past, but just wanted to refresh for our listeners the uh, the importance of uh, and the role of technology, especially now, you know, we're coming out of COVID and, uh, you know, some of the work I'm doing now is with um, contract on the contract side. Um, so you're starting to see the clients looking for ways to cut costs. Um, and a lot of times they look to technology to do that. It's a lot cheaper than, than manpower or people power. Uh, you know, technology cameras don't go down. They don't get sick. They don't have benefits, all that kind of stuff. So all those kinds of conversations are happening now that we're returning back to the office and a reopening for business. Um, but as usual, a lot of times there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding as to what the technology can do or why it should be deployed. And in some cases, there there really is some legal framework um, or um, uh, legislation, compliance issues that you need to be aware of when you deploy some of those, those that technology, um, which isn't always the case. A lot of clients don't know that and they just take it for granted that, you know, for example, CCTV is a great one, right? There's a lot of privacy compliance issues around CCTV, and yet you still hear about clients who put, you know, uh, undercover or co co uh, covert cameras into places where they shouldn't be, right? And I just don't understand what they do. I mean, you know why they do it, but you just can't do it. That's not the world we live in. And so I think that's sort of the discussion we're going to start with today, Brian. Yeah, I, I, I would take. I'm going to take a little bit of a different uh, slant. My, you know, as a security consultant and a long-term practitioner, I find a lot of um, a lot of clients see technology as a placebo, saying that I've got a camera system, everything's going to be okay. And what I try and tell them, and what I sincerely believe is, 
the technology is a, is is not a means to an end. It's not. Yeah. It's not the placebo. It really is a force multiplier. And when I use the word force multiplier, the force is people, process, and technology. And without the people to drive the technology, it will never work. And that's hap that, that's what happens. I think I told the story once before, but uh, when I was a manager at a big commercial office building that had, I think, 70,000 tenants, so 65 floors space in Toronto, uh, when I got there, one of the first things we did was a review. We looked at the access control system. And I remember asking one of my managers, how come we had 25,000 active cards when we only had 7,000 tenants? Yeah. And the reason was because, well, I guess we've never really audited and people quit or lose a card and get another card. So here we had this technology system, this access control system, which cost in the millions. And the people that paid for it thought it's going to keep us safe and actually it put us more at risk. So technology only works if you're paying attention to it, if it's being driven by people. The most important thing, in my estimation, in the holy trilogy of people, process, and technology, if you don't have the right people, the motivated people, the trained people, and supervised people, nothing else is going to work on the technology side. And uh, I think that's the trap a lot of uh, companies and organizations fall into. Yeah, and I don't think, you know, we're, we're in a disagreement on that. I think my perspective is just slightly different in the sense that I was talking about, uh, you know, clients Clients often presume, like you say, it's the it's going to resolve their issue on its own. A video surveillance system will, will, you know, deter the crime and record the crime, and that's all they need. And then you say, well, no, you need a re response capacity. If somebody's getting beat up, you know, you would like to have somebody there to do to do that. You need people to be able to operate those cameras properly. So I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't disagree with you. I think it, it's about understanding the role of the technology and how it's going to support and enhance your program, not replace the program. No, I agree. Yeah, I, I, I realize what you're saying, and I, I didn't want to insinuate that you're disagreeing with me. In fact. I've been mentoring you for over 20 years now. So, you know, finally you, you, you see the light. So, but I'll give you an example. Uh, I'm just looking at my notes over here. Uh, five, uh, five of the biggest access control mistakes. Again, access control along with cameras are probably the most expensive things you're gonna invest in if you're using electronic security to secure a building or to secure a, a space. And uh, with access control, five biggest mistakes is single access levels and schedules. Yep. So meaning you have this very sophisticated system, but everyone has access to everything yep. and there's only one schedule. So if you've got a part-time worker that works on Wednesdays from three to five, he can go there at Sunday at three o'clock in the morning. So that's because it's not set up properly. The second thing is locking hardware in poor condition. I can't tell you how many times I've experienced uh, as a manager and for my clients, where why are we getting so many false alarms? Because door A, has a broken mag or a broken uh, uh, electronic lock and it's not releasing, uh, sorry, uh, lock and it's not yeah. releasing properly and it's resulting in alarm. That's not a people failure. That's, well, I'm sorry, that's it is a people failure due to people not doing their <laughs> yeah. job. Then no user database maintenance. Uh, I Most organizations, well, I shouldn't say most, many that I have uh, uh, had experience with didn't realize the gold mine, the treasure of personal data that they maintain in terms of the people that were accessing their building when they were accessing the building. And they weren't maintaining that. They weren't keeping it up to date. They weren't protecting it against Russian hackers. Yeah. The, uh, uh, ignored alarms. 
Uh, again, uh, I can't tell you how many times, almost every single time I do a vulnerability review at a building, and same thing in my last job, I had a building, a major office tower that were running uh, 35,000 alarms a day. But they only would act, or they would get 35,000, but they'd only respond to about five or six because everything else they just ignored because they thought it was a false alarm. They thought it's probably the cleaner. They thought it was that, oh yeah, the 14th floor, that's defective in that uh, that door. Yep. And the point is that's again, uh, an example where the people aren't doing their job. They're not using the technologies of force multiplier. Technology is off to the right, people are off to the left and they're not working in sync. And last one, and then I'll let you talk, <laughs> is doors propped open. What good, yeah. you know, oh I was at the head office of a large insurance company and, um, uh, they had the state-of-the-art access control and uh, turnstiles at the front of the house, okay? Because they've had some major security issues. But I kid you not, the back of the house, okay, was door was not only unlocked, it was propped open. Yeah. It was propped. And when I asked them why is it propped, they said, because the smokers go out to smoke. And then I said, well, why did you spend $2 million at the front if you're leaving the door, the back door open, the proverbial back door open? So these are the things. It's not the technology that's failing. It's the people that are not working it properly, not managing or maintaining it. So that's just one example. And you, I've got millions of others, as I'm sure you do. Well, yeah, I, I thought as soon as you talked about the broken locks, I thought about uh, the large audit we did in the path when we were preparing for G20. Remember all the doors that had to be replaced and fixed and, yeah. and all the operational staff were coming to us saying, you know, you know, this is going to cost us a fortune. Okay, but because G20 was on the horizon, the, the purse strings were open, right? So everything was getting fixed. They're probably back in the same state now, today. Well, and that's really a good point you bring up because no one really, you know, they were concerned that it's going to cost a fortune. They didn't care. See, they didn't want you to burst the bubble. They didn't, uh, the placebo, the bubble was that we were locked up at nighttime when maybe 10% of the doors didn't lock. You may have locked the door, but it wasn't locked. They didn't want to know about that. It's just that, okay, we've got a system, it's locked. And that's the problem with a lot of technology. It's like your car. If you don't maintain your car, I know so many people that can't afford the oil changes, the, 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 the uh, filter changes, and what happens, and they don't, they don't do anything. And nothing happens until it happens three, four, or five years down the road. And when it happens, it's sometimes catastrophic. No different with the security system. And I will tell you how many times I've had to go into the C-suite to explain or answer the question, well, how did this happen in Winnipeg or Calgary or, or Orlando? We've got a 200000 or uh, $10 million system over there. How did the guy ever get in? How come the camera didn't see it? Because the camera hasn't worked for 12 years. Well, the camera's defective. It may have been, but I think the, the operators of the camera system were more defective. They knew it and did nothing about it. Or they didn't even know it. That's the that's, problem. That that that's the other problem. I was going to say. So you talked about the maintenance piece and making sure they're integrated and working. But the other challenge, I think, the big challenge in our business, certainly when I when I went to properties and and talked to them about it, or when we went to RFP, most usually it comes out during the RFP because you laid out what your expectations are, and then you know how many times that the existing provider come to the table and says, well, our cameras already do A, B, and C. But our guys don't know how to turn them on or don't know how to use them or haven't been using them. And yet here we are asking for a feature that we already have, but never used. And I think the stat was like, you know, most camera systems, they only use like 10% of the features that are available on there. And, and that speaks to the whole 
you know, why are you deploying this this system if all you're going to use is that 10%? Get a static camera. I don't need that fancy, you know, a Vigilon 25 MPEG, you know, multi-analytics, all this kind of stuff. All I need is a picture. Then just go spend money on a picture. It's a lot cheaper to get a camera just gives you a picture versus all these analytical tools that you're paying for. Yeah, I, yeah, you're entirely right. <laughs> I think what we do is we overpurchase. It's like buying yourself, uh, you know, I fly a Cessna 172, but I want a Learjet. Well, I'm never going to use it. I'm not trained to use it properly. It brings me no value, but it does cost me a lot of money. And I, to your point, I see that all the time. Yeah. People don't use what they have or they want to upgrade the system when they had it the whole time. And when you tell them you had it, they said, oh, I didn't realize that. The other thing is, you know, we're doing some work for some clients right now. We're doing some uh, policy procedure work and post orders for the guards and everything. And uh, the client wants to understand, well, we've got all this technology. Why don't you have the post, guard, uh, post orders have the guards uh, 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 operating this technology effectively? You know, why don't we have a better response to bomb threats? Why aren't we... Uh, actively monitoring the cameras so we could respond when there's a person snatching a problem. I said, quite honestly, because you don't have enough guards. And the guards you have aren't trained. So yeah. I'm trying to live in a real world. And although you want this, you're not prepared to do that. You're not capable of handling it. Handling it. You've got an incredible uh, security system, technology, cameras, uh, alarms and everything. And it's going to waste. You're not using the functionality. It's, I'm not saying the guard is stupid. What, what I'm yeah, saying is we don't have enough guards. We yeah. haven't supervised them. I can write you a post order or a policy of what it is you should do, but what's the point of doing it if you can't do it? I know you want to do it, and you can do it if you make the changes on the manpower side, but you're unwilling to. So let's be a realist. It, what are you going to do if there's an active attacker, or what are you going to do when there's a uh, protest? Call the police because yeah. your guards aren't able to do anything else. They're, they don't have the training or they don't have the numbers. Yeah. And and the last point I'm going to make on on this is the uh, you've got to get you've got to get your head in the game and really start to understand what we're talking about because the future is technology whether you like it or not that is I mean buildings are going to be integrated security systems are going to be integrated with those building systems everything's going to be talking to everything uh, you know I've done a lot of research on uh, commercial real estate in particular because that's you know where my focus is in my other life and uh, all these all these uh, commercial properties are talking about gamification to bring the people into the building. You know, what does that mean? If you don't even understand what gamification means as a security expert, then you're already behind the eight ball because you should be on the front end of this technology, not behind it trying to catch up. Sorry, what did you see? Ramification? <laughs> I never heard that term. Gamification, you've not. So here you are, case in point. <laughs> I'm going to call you out as an expert. Gamification is making your everyday routine things into a game. So you'll come into the building today. Uh, in the past, you'd show your, your your card and you get into the building. Gamification is you come in and you'll get your alerts saying, hey, we've got a special at the Starbucks downstairs. Today is 345. You can click it and it makes a game of it. It'll tell you, you know, that you can go down at a certain time. Here's the price. Here's the sale. It talk about other things that are going on into the building. And so it becomes a game. It's all in your app. Right, the experience becomes very, very much like an, a virtual uh, game. Boy, you got a lot of time on your hands. So just, <laughs> the door's locked, and you're playing games. <laughs> but you know, you talked about the smart building technology. You talked about the integration of uh, security systems to building systems. 
And all that is good and it's necessary and it's going to make us more efficient. I used the term earlier, force multiplier. It was going to have a force multiplier effect. One person will be able to do the job of five people. But what's the common element in all the modernization of systems, integration of systems and artificial intelligence, there's got to be someone, no matter how sophisticated the car is, even a uh, Tesla, Tesla, right? Or Tesla, yeah. Tesla. It's there's an got S, a <laughs> There's got to be a driver. And yeah. you could have the best system in the world. You could have the space shuttle. You could have the rocket ship, a, 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 a fighter jet. If you don't got a humanoid in there operating the systems and trained to operate the systems, you just got a very expensive paperweight. And the problem we are seeing that organizations more and more are spending a lot of money on smart building technology, artificial intelligence, but they've forgotten the fact that someone's got to drive the train and we're not spending and we're not developing the human element. So it's going to be a bumpy ride. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be a bumpy ride. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where, where the industry goes. Uh, given the new world that's emerging before us, it's going to be a lot more risky, as we can see. A lot more threats that are changing all the time. They're becoming more dynamic. Um, and the threats are going to be on your doorstep a lot sooner than uh, than they used to be, right? Something would happen overseas. It'd take you know, days, months before it became a problem uh, back on, on the home front here in Canada. Today... That same story is is on your doorstep the next day. You have protesters potentially, people uh, you know, uh, supportive of that cause potentially targeting your building, and and all of a sudden it's a problem that you didn't expect. So yeah, I agree, ocean, you got to be on the front end of all this. The ocean doesn't protect us as well as it did once. Uh, you yeah. know, just to reiterate what I was saying uh, earlier about the uh, human element of technology. Case in point, you know, we had a, uh, I had a building I was responsible for, and we were trying to save money and become more efficient. And the problem was, what do you do at three o'clock in the morning at a building that has operations all the time? Well, what most buildings do is they put a security guard at the door, a lobby guard, and he he unlocks the door, he signs in or out. But what do humans do at two or three o'clock in the morning? They sleep, not because they're lazy, not because they're bad, but that's what humans sleep do, especially uh, for humans that are sitting at a desk. They're not walking around. It's not like a policeman, a fireman, a doctor, something like that. They're just sitting at a desk. So what do we do? We fire these guys because they're terrible. So one day I put a stop to it. And I said, the problem isn't the human. The problem is that we're asking a human to do something that is better off a machine doing. Yeah. So I explained that we'll put uh, uh, a camera there with video analytics. Every tenant had a pass card and we had their photo. So if someone comes in at three in the morning, we see the photo, then nothing happens. But if the fo the tenant, or the person comes in and they're not a tenant of the building, the camera system will identify that's for the analytics. It will alarm at the security control center. And then they will see there's a person that shouldn't be there and there'll be a security response. Sounds fantastic. The efficiency is a lot better. But the property that did it forgot that the guy at the camera can't be sleeping. Yeah. So what we did is we eliminated one guy. Okay, so instead of having a guy at the camera and a guy at the lobby, the guy at the lobby now was doing patrols. There was still a guy at the camera. And so we eliminated a position. But the failure of the system, the, the failure of the process was the human element failed to watch, uh, it failed to react yep. when the alarm occurred. And that's the thing. Uh, it's a placebo. People have to realize that it works really well, but it's not automatic. It's not over once you bought the system. You got to yep. manage it and maintain it. You got to set up for success. Yeah. And that means you got to put some work into it. You've got to do your research and you got to get your experts to weigh in to tell you how to do it right. And that's where I guess your your role comes in. 
Um, and it's important for people to get that expertise. They may not, uh, they may not think they need it, but in my, in my uh, experience, uh, they almost always appreciate uh, the experience, knowledge, and expertise of somebody who've been, who's been through it before, understands the gaps, and can tell you what to look out for. Because if you're not going into it, if it's your first time getting into, you know, like video surveillance is a, is a good one because it's very expensive to deploy that technology. Um, there's all kinds of bells and whistles that you could be sold by the contractor that you don't need. Most of them don't need it. Um, and yeah, the analysts are great. But if you're going to use them, they're great. If you're not yeah. going to use them, then you're just spending money out throwing it out the window. So that's, I think, the important role of, of an expert, a consultant to come in and give you some guidance in terms of how to set it up for success. And to your point, make sure that the people who are going to be supporting that system are able to do it. They have the training, the resources to make it work properly. Otherwise, you're just, uh, you know, it's only a matter of time before something goes wrong. Well, I, I want to correct one thing you said that uh, oh. I am certainly not an expert. I think my strength is that I have screwed up so much over my career. I've got the scar tissue that I know what could burn me, and then I share that with the client. Um, we've talked about experts many times in the past. Yep. Although there are many, perhaps, I'm certainly yep. not one of them, but I'm just a generalist. Like a good security consultant really, in my mind, has to be a generalist because if they are an expert in one particular domain, either the engineering side or the guard operations side, I think it's lacking. You need a consultant that could look at the total picture and uh, based on real world experience, make recommendations or proposals, suggestions to the client to address security uh, risks and threats. I'm not even going to argue with that. I, I agree. You're not an expert. You agree on that? I've made a lot of mistakes. You agree on that? <laughs> All right. With that, it's been a pleasure. Great to be talking again after, uh, you know, that little mini layoff we've had. Um, but uh, you know what? I think it was a good, uh, good, good episode. Hopefully, our listeners enjoy it. If they do, please hit the like button. Share with your friends, please. We're trying to build our out our network. We are growing. It's great. It's great to see. But we always can appreciate more uh, support from from you out there in uh, Listenerville. Um, and with that, I'm going to sign off till our next episode. Brian, I'll turn it over to you. Just one last thing. If if you don't like it, it's probably because of Luciano. So rather than go to our main website, why don't you just send me a personal uh, a text, a message, or a phone call, and I'll deal with Luke. We're trying to uh, have some uh, therapy sessions for him to uh, straighten him out. But uh... Well, on the bright side, I know I can afford the pay cut. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like the raise we gave you? Oh, yeah, I know. What was it? About? What was it? Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> nothing times nothing equals it's still nothing. nothing. <laughs> oh, it is what it is. <laughs> At least we had some fun. Yeah. All right, folks. Take care. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. That concludes this podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and will join us in a couple of weeks for our latest episode. Please remember to like and follow us on our sponsor's webpage, brianclayman.com, where you can leave us your comments and suggest topics you'd like to hear about in future episodes. Until next time, thanks for listening and don't forget to protect your assets.